Don't pay retail for your diamond engagement ring or gift. Come to CleanOrigin.com. Founded by a leading family in the diamond industry for more than a century, we're experts in lab-grown diamonds because that's all we do. Clean Origin, the only diamond jewelers who give you a 100-day, no-questions-asked return on your purchase. Head to CleanOrigin.com or one of our retail stores and mention code RADIO10 for 10% off your purchase. That's CleanOrigin.com, code RADIO10. What's going on here? The weekend. The weekend. Friday. For most people, Friday is just a day before the weekend. I can't wait to the end of the week when I rap into the rhythm of a groovy beat. It is Friday, right? Better mouth for dinner on a Friday night. I'm hosting a party on Friday. Friday, Saturday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, on this Friday, it's Bob and Sherry. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Bob and Sherry Show here on a Friday. That's right. I'm not going to do that cliche. Oh, you made it through the week. I think you're probably <laughs> aware that you made it through the week, right? But you, but you did. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you did, but I mean. As though, as though life you? were... As though life were this grueling obstacle course that you just were crawling through on your belly, you know? Yeah, As though there exactly. wasn't more to it than just, oh my God, you're surviving. You've endured yet another week. That is not the way to look at things. I'm with you on no. that. No, that's right. That's right. And they, they don't, you know, the people don't need some jerk on the radio saying, um, excuse me, here's the obvious. You're still alive, right? But uh, anyway, let's start out today with uh, Bob and Cherry's personality parade. We'll take a look at some uh, famous people and what they're up to. Madame Tussauds has retired uh, its wax figure. It's it's Madame Tussauds, isn't it? Madame Tussauds has retired its wax figure of Kanye West. The model has been moved to an archive at the London Museum. He was recently dropped by sports giant, everybody knows this, Adidas and other firms, and he lost, I don't know, one and a half billion dollars or something in promised money. But anyway, uh, you don't see you don't see Kanye anymore when you go through uh, Madame Tussauds. So, just another little thing. You know, he's probably more ticked off about not being in Madame Tussauds than losing the billion and a half. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not going to disagree with that. Because, you know, are you really a celebrity, if you're a singer, are you really a celebrity unless you've gotten into Madame Tussauds and had Weird Al um, parody you? Are you really that big? I think you have to have both. Listen, things are so bad for Kanye. Um, TJ Maxx has pulled his apparel and he showed up unannounced on late Wednesday afternoon at Skechers headquarters to pitch them his brand and two Skechers. executives escorted him from the building. Really? Did you not see that in your newsfeed? Yeah. No, no. It's a strange pairing. And but, evidently yeah. one that's not going to be happening. Wasn't Kim right, Kardashian go. a spokesman for Skechers too? I wonder if that had some something to do with that. Oh, oh I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Well, that's true. I mean, she, she, uh, I think she represents every product right now in, in the entire world. Let's talk about Adele. Uh, Adele is making plans uh, to start her Weekends with Adele gigs in Las Vegas. That's pretty cool. So she's going to work probably Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. 
and then she gets four days off. That's yeah. actually pretty a pretty good idea. You know, she doesn't want to work seven days a week like performers used to do in Vegas. Elvis Presley used to do two shows a day, like six days, seven days a week. Some guys in the orchestra said, we can't do it anymore and quit. Anyway, um, she also wants to make plans to get a college degree when this um, Weekends with Adele gig stops. She wants. She regrets missing Good out on her. going to going to college. Yeah. Wouldn't that be Good freaky, though? You're sitting there in earth science and in walks Adele. Adele? And she says, hello, it's me. I mean, that would, that, that, that would freak you out. Could you? I mean, I don't know that I had trouble learning anything in earth science, let alone there's Adele over there. They're sitting next to you. That's yeah. all I would be looking at. Not, I mean, she's very beautiful in all of that, but it's like Adele. <laughs> in your class. Yeah. In your yeah. class. Well, you know, you know, others have done that. Jennifer Conley, my, uh, my dream girl, uh, Prior to meeting my wife, of course, uh, went to Yale, and I think uh, Jody, Jody Foster, Foster, yeah, Natalie Portman, yeah. I mean, that's so right. many, so many yeah. performers go to college. Good for you, Adele. Well, the uh, publishing release date has been announced for Prince Harry's memoir. It's called mm-hmm. Spare, and the cover. I don't know if you've had a chance <laughs> to see the cover. Is an extreme close-up of Harry's face. Spare, and it's going to be out on January tenth. And apparently there is already an uproar because it's being described as raw and unflinching, which, of course, the royal family is not keen on at all. No. Now, they did delay it. It was supposed to be out like in a few weeks to take advantage of the holiday sales. They're missing a lot of book sales by Mm -hmm. delaying it. But Mm -hmm. after the queen died, Harry insisted on rewrites. So we'll see what happens. But you want to talk about an in-your-face cover and title? That's and really Spanish, in your face. Yeah. The Spanish language version, it's yeah. not called Spare. It's called In the Shade, as in of his brother. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah. We'll see what happens spare, with that one. Yeah. Spare, you know, you, you always heard that term, not necessarily about royalty, but wealthy people. I've got an heir and a spare. You know, the spare is the second kid. That's probably has irked him, you know, and irritated him. I know it would me if I were in his position. So to use that to say, yeah. In your face. In your face. In your face. When is that coming coming out? When is that coming out? January 10th. Coming up, we've got morons in the news. We have comedian Greg Stone. We have some news about King Tut. And the People's Movie Critic joins us to review The Watcher on Netflix. It's Bob and Sherry. Hey, you can upgrade your mixology game with Vena's Fizz House Virtual Mixology Classes. If you'd like to win a class for you and a friend, just go to bobandsherry.com. That's B-O-B-A-N-D-S-H-E-R-I.com and hit the contest tab. And hit the contest tab. And it's the perfect holiday gift. Vena's Fizz House Virtual Mixology Classes with Bob and Sherry. The new and improved Bob and Sherry website. Just go to BobandSherry.com. There's a wild story out of China. Now, on the one hand, this is a story of a father's love. And on the other hand, it's a story of what the were you thinking? So this dad and his little girl are um, by a stream. And the little girl gets pinched by a small crab. 
And of course, she's startled and she cries because it was unexpected and it was a pinch and it hurt. Well, the dad became so angry that this crab pinched his little girl that he snatched it up and he ate it alive. And a couple of months later, he ended up at the hospital with really serious pain in his back and his stomach. And he Mm. was diagnosed with a rare digestive disease. He was filled with parasites. And they Uh couldn't figure out why in the world is your liver, your digestive system, your lungs, everything. What in the world is happening here? So the doctor said, have you eaten anything unusual? Have you had any wild game? Have you had any raw fish? And the dad kept saying, no, no, no. And then um, as they thought about it, his wife remembered that he had snatched up that crab that pinched his little girl and he ate it and said, you need to tell the doctors what you did to that crab. And so he told the doctors what he had done. And the doctor said, I asked him why, which I think is the fair question. And he said, it was revenge for my daughter. I was angry and I put it in my mouth for revenge. And the joke's on Mr. Lou here because the crab might've gotten eaten, but it was the crab who got revenge because the crab was carrying three different parasites. And this guy ended up hospitalized. He has all sorts of follow-up treatment. And the doctors said, we, we are informing the population not to pick things up and eat them raw and alive, which is a, it's a sad <laughs> state what, of affairs that that needs to be done. Is that where we've fallen to <laughs> as a species? You know what this says? Here, more than anything else, this is a perfect example of when you are wronged, don't go over the top to get retribution. Yes. Because how many yes. times have you heard, you know, somebody, uh, all right, so there's a, a coach and he made a bad call on Friday night football and your kid, you know, was taken out of the game for, uh, you know, uh, a violation. Don't go to the pickup and get your gun. Don't, as a matter of fact, don't even scream. Just shut up. Maybe talk later on with a coach or something like that. But that's an example of you got to control your anger sometimes. And that guy loved his daughter. And obviously, I mean, she did it to I'd I'd stomp on the crab or throw it back in the water or something. But eating it that well, that's the part. That's the part where it's so next level for this dad, because I could totally I totally agree that if I was sitting by a stream with my little ones and they got pinched by a crab, I would swipe that crab out of the vicinity and. Oh my goodness, you have a boo-boo. Let's kiss it better. I would not go, did that crab pinch you? Watch this. And then eat the damn thing raw while it was still kicking. That that's exactly. You you hear you hear though of people that are so angry with some altercation, you know? And usually it's like either in in a uh, Walmart or a restaurant or a bar that they get. Chuck E. Cheese, they get into a fight and one guy bites the other guy's nose off or something. And you go, God, man. I mean, I've been pissed off at things, but holy cow, the dude's nose. I have never felt any kind of emotion, rage or otherwise, so extreme that I want to put a stranger's leaky nostrils into my mouth. 
ever. I admire that about you. I do. Can, I have you that. ever, Max Stuck, have uh, you ever felt any feeling so overwhelming that all you could think was, I need to put that man's nose into my mouth? Ever? Ever? No. No. Here's a large sum of money, but no. not that. You know, I wouldn't even want to be in the room and watch, like if I hired someone to bite off, let's like say Sweaty, the ex, the old station's program director. If I hired Sweaty to, uh, if I hired somebody to bite off Sweaty's nose, I don't even want to be in the same room when that happens. Listen, there's no biting off Sweaty's nose. It's so slick. You can't get a grip on it, even with your molars. Like it just shoots right back out. It would be a failure. I I don't want to be, my brother once when he was in college was at Mm -hmm. a bar and a bar fight broke out and a guy got his ear bitten off Mm. and my brother was right there. Like he was right there. He heard the, (sighs) all of it, all of it. Once you've lived through something like that, like you never forget that. But yeah, no, I'm not going to bite your nose off. I'm not going to bite your ear off. I'm not going to grab a crab that just bit you and, and punish it by eating it while it's still alive. These yep. are these are temper issues. I think now that Mr. Lou is recovering, yeah. we need to look mm-hmm. at some anger management for him. Yeah, give peace a chance. Yeah, give peace a morons, chance. Morons in the news is next. We got the People's Movie Critic reviewing The Watcher and... If you're looking for a really fun, scary movie fest at your house this weekend, we have the 10 scariest movies with creepy kids. Because ain't nothing scarier than a creepy demon kid. It's Bob and Sherry. Bob and Sherry. You see, that's all I could come up with because I'm an idiot. With morons in the news. As in everything in life, you need some sort of a good plan. A man who robbed about $800 from a Jersey City, New Jersey ATM customer at a downtown bank Wednesday almost made a clean getaway. The robber has not been identified yet, but it's just a matter of time. The robbery occurred at the Chase Bank at approximately quarter to 12 in the morning, according to police radio transmissions. A 36-year-old man was withdrawing 800 bucks from the ATM when this person came up to him from out of nowhere, shoved him to the side, and snatched the cash when it came out of the ATM. Boy, that's some timing, huh? Here's the problem, though. At this branch, the ATM is on the outside of the bank. And the robber fled on nearby Warren Street, but dropped a bag that contained identifying objects, including his Hudson County Jail personal property receipt and inmate oh identification card. The guy was in the Huskow recently, and he I, I didn't know that, that prisoners had to have an identification card. I would would have assumed that number on your shirt was enough, but evidently, and he kept his to do a robbery. That's so good. I mean, leave your ID somewhere else, or have zippers on your pants at least. And people say, why do you call them morons in the news? There you go. This would be why we have a really sweet moron of the day for you today. Out of the alligator capital of the world, Gatorland in Orlando, Florida. It's the annual Gators, Goblins, and Ghosts, where they bring in a ton of pumpkins and they give them to the gators to chomp down on. And the alligators love them and the crocodiles love them. We have video. You'll be able to see goats and birds and tortoises and 
wild cats and my very favorite, Earth's giant hamster cousin, the capybara, all getting to eat some pumpkins. There's a re- there's some really funny, adorable images of tortoises getting in on it and of a gator chomping a whole pumpkin in his crushing jaws in one bite. You know, that must be a little disturbing to watch. I, I wouldn't mind seeing it. I kind of would like to see it, but I think that would be a little disturbing to watch. That's well, probably a real gooey mess. Well, a pumpkin, if you've ever just carved a jack-o'-lantern, you know what kind of muscle you need to put into just yeah, cutting a yeah. pumpkin. Yeah, and this gator right. is like, crunch. It's a really yeah. great little video. Gators, goblins, and ghosts. And it's going to be up on the Bob and Sherry Facebook straight ahead. We've got some King Tut news. We've got the People's Movie Critic reviewing The Watcher. We've got an update on the Monster Mash and the scariest movies with freaky demon kids in them. Woo! Because it's the weekend. It's Bob and Sherry. Are you one of those couples that missed out on a proper honeymoon? Maybe your schedules were too busy and you had to postpone. Or maybe because you just never got around to having that special trip. Bob and Sherry want to make it right by giving you $5,000 to plan a second chance honeymoon in the Florida destination of your choice. Because it's still clear and sunny in many parts of Florida. So what will you choose? An island escape in the Florida Keys? Setting sail on a sunset cruise from Tampa Bay? Dining in a Michelin star restaurant in Miami? Or simply relaxing on Pennsylvania? Pensacola Beach without shoes or any words. So go ahead and imagine making romantic, sunshine-filled memories together that you'll remember forever on a dream second-chance honeymoon in Florida. To enter for your chance to win $5,000 to plan a honeymoon redo in the Florida destination of your choice, just go to BobandSherry.com and hit the contest tab. It's a second-chance honeymoon from Visit Florida and Bob and Sherry. Bob and Sherry Books, Swag, and the Mother of All Mothers Merch. Just hit shop at bobandsherry.com. It is the Bob and Sherry Show. And Sherry, right now, I would like to present to our audience the reason why the Bob and Sherry Show is loosely tied to the discovery of the boy king, King Tut. Ooh, Even so you exciting. don't know this story. Would you like to know why? Yes. All right. Here's why. I'm just going to read from a historical document here. From the earliest days of archaeology in Egypt, the Valley of the Kings has exerted an irresistible allure. The famed cemetery was the burial place of royals during the golden age of the 18th, 19th, and 20th dynasties. Conducted since the early 1800s, excavations looking for King Tut and others were common. Many times, these areas were looted. The one great exception, the four richly appointed chambers of King Tut. Since its discovery in 1922, King Tut's tomb has provided ample evidence that has allowed experts and amateurs to puzzle about the young pharaoh's life. And now, a century after the tomb's discovery, It's perhaps a fitting moment to consider what the experts have learned and what they can just guess. King Tut's final resting place, the discovery of which, begins in 1902, two decades before its discovery, when Egypt granted permission to an American lawyer and businessman named Theodore Davis to dig in the Valley of the Kings. I've been there. 
I went to the Valley of the Kings. It's some distance from Cairo. It looks like a Martian, near Luxor, it looks like a Martian landscape. And when these pharaohs or, or wealthy royalty died, they put them hidden under rocks in this area because it all looks the same. And so if you were a grave robber trying to find the pharaoh's grave for the gold and the other riches in there, and perhaps even the Sphinx itself, it would be very difficult. So back to Theodore Davis, he's digging and digging, and he comes across minor deposits containing artifacts with King Tut's name on it. One was an embalming cache, the other decorative gold from chariots. And then all of a sudden, after several years of doing this, he decides, Mr. Davis does, to give it up. Quote, it's time to quit. I fear that the Valley of the Tombs is now exhausted. And he leaves. According to a report, he was within six feet of King Tut's tomb. Oh, you're kidding. Another man takes it up, Lord Carnavon, a wealthy Englishman. He stepped in in 1914, and he worked until 1922, and then they found the young pharaoh. They said, he was before us. He was looking at us. And here, the climax of our researches. His image and name were everywhere in the tomb. And they found, of course, his mummy, decayed mummy, found right there in the tomb. And ladies and gentlemen, by the way, you can visit that tomb today. You have to pay. It's a great trip, but you can go down into the tomb and view it all. It's set up and you can see the uh, sarcophagus right there in front of you. The gold is there. So many things to look at. Here's why it's closely connected to Bob and Sherry. That man, the American businessman, was within six feet of this discovery. Sherry and I have been nominated for the best radio show in America 10 times, but only to have it snatched from us. And not for lack of shoveling on our part. That's the only difference. That's exactly right. So That's much exactly shoveling. Right. Isn't that what a horrible, horrible thing to happen to Mr. Davis? Six feet away. And he calls it quits. What does that That's, tell you? The moral of the story is don't give up. Don't give up. Don't right. be... Don't be so quick to quit right do what we do just keep shoveling keep shoveling Shovel it. that's right sure we've we're never found finish. treasure no but we're shoveling we're shoveling we got the people's movie credit coming up he's reviewing netflix's the watcher it's bob and sherry could it be a truly american art form is taking the world by storm Ranking in the top 100 in many countries around the world each week, 
Restless Shores is a very popular with our overseas neighbors, even in many countries where English is not the native language. From Azerbaijan to Andorra, from Yemen to Yonkers, New York, and all points in between, Restless Shores international fans are the wind beneath this American podcast swings. For more, check out restless-shores.com and find Restless Shores wherever you get your podcasts. Have you ever wondered what to do if you're in an abusive, narcissistic relationship or need tips on how to spice up your sex life or maybe how to not fall in the trap of being a mom martyr or perfectionist or you just want tips on how to get your picky kids to eat? Whatever the reason you were there, you are welcome. Hi, I'm Dr. Kim, your confidant and host of the Parentologist Podcast. Please join me for your weekly dose of expert level advice and resources from me and my guests in a relatable, easy to digest way. Listen to the Parentologist Podcast now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Dr. Kim, the Parentologist. As a wife, mom, therapist, and all-around juggler like most of you, I lead a hectic life, and sometimes that means indulging in foods on the go that my stomach doesn't always agree with. Thankfully, Pepto-Bismol provides me fast and effective relief for all kinds of upset stomachs. Having a little too many guilty pleasures at a family barbecue or birthday celebration may lead to indigestion or heartburn, so I always keep Pepto on hand to get fast relief when I need it the most. Pepto-Bismol, use as directed and keep out of reach of children. The Bob and Sherry Oddcast. It's a podcast with stuff you won't hear on the regular show. I had Todd track down the founder of the American Museum of the House Cat. I, I got the cat mummy, which was a real rare find. And, what did you know, it look like, it Doctor? Just, well, it looks like it's just an old dried up cat. <laughs> it's Bob and Sherry uncensored, uninterrupted, and unfettered. The Bob and Sherry Oddcast. You know, I like people, but I don't crave being around people. You know what I mean? I do. My odd? Not in that say way. That I'm, no, you're not odd. I'm, I'm not odd in that way. You can get the Bob and Sherry Oddcast by going to our website, bobandsherry.com, B-O-B-A-N-D-S-H-E-R-I.com, or text the word Oddcast to 888-262-7437, 888-BOB-SHERRY, or the simplest way, get the new Bob and Sherry app for your iPhone in the App Store. I listen to you every morning on the way to work and the Oddcast on the way home from work every day. It's Bob and Sherry, unlike you've ever heard them before. The Bob and Sherry Oddcast. It's the stuff we wouldn't, couldn't, shouldn't do on the regular show. The Oddcast. Oddcast on the free Bob and Sherry app. It's time for Everyone Needs a Laugh. Here is comedian Greg Stone. How we doing? Yeah. I, uh, I just had a baby. I just had a baby. Yeah. No. It's killing me. I'm 22 years old. I get married. Uh, I don't have my ring on. I saw a hot girl outside. I swallowed it. I was like... <laughs> but, uh, man, I, the pregnancy was... The pregnancy was crazy. I was on stage performing when my wife went into labor. I was on stage. I walked off. I had 22 missed phone calls for my wife. Yeah. I called her. I was like, what's up? She goes, don't freak out. My water broke. Just get home when you can. So I freaked out. I jumped in a cab. I was like, hey, man, my wife just went into labor. You got to get me home. The cab driver turns around and goes... I've been waiting for this my whole life. He landed 150 miles an hour on the Williamsburg Bridge. My wife's on the phone. She's like, don't worry, we have time. He's like, we've got no time. Yeah, jump the Hudson. I'm not even kidding. We get home. The key, he, we, he pulls in front of my house. 
He shuts the meter off. He goes, get your wife. I'm taking you both to the hospital. My wife was like, who is that? I was like, that is Hamid. That is the new godfather. Yeah. Someone tell my brother he's out. Yeah, I was kidding about the ring thing. I'm with my wife 14 years, never cheated, but that's not something I should be proud of. <laughs> oh, also, because, like, no one's asking. <laughs> Me being proud of not cheating feels very similar to when I used to watch basketball with my dad, and he would be like, oh, I would never play for the Knicks. It's like, yeah, we're not in the draft. <laughs> crazy man the the pregnancy was wild you know it was, it was it was the hormones went to my wife's brain for nine months she was a psycho it was it was great I loved it but like you, you know I mean like this she'd yell at me and I'm just like uh, you know I can't yell back it's like she's got a hostage in there so I'm just like all right let's skip that you know? and I loved it you know it was fun you know it was, it was cool like one night six months six months into the pregnancy we're laying in bed a mosquito bites her on the nose she wakes me up she goes you don't come back to bed till you've killed this thing. Now I have to find a mosquito in the middle of the night in the complete darkness. She won't let me put the lights out. She's like, smell them out. I'm smelling out a mosquito. For eight days, eight days, this thing is in our room every night, zipping by her ear. It's like, wake up, get him. I'm like, okay. Just knocking pictures off a wall. And I remember it was eight days. Because on the eighth day, I was laying in bed. I was on my phone. The mosquito lands on my phone. I killed him. I got so excited. I woke my wife up. I went, look, I got him. And she looks at me and goes, wipe it on the wall. Show them what happens when they come for my family. What? Okay, mama bear. So there I am, a normal brain citizen, smearing mosquito blood on a wall as a warning to what other mosquitoes are going to show up. Like, we can't eat here. Look what they did to Jerry. And just run. Anyway, I didn't want to deal with this. I didn't ever want to deal with this again. So I was like, all right, I'm going to do all the research I can. I found this out. I didn't know this. Mosquito lifespan. It's only 10 days. Bothered us for eight. All I had to do was wait them out two more days. Then I really thought about it. I was like, man, that mosquito bothered my wife and I for a week and a day. But for that mosquito, I was hunting him his whole life. <laughs> but he made a mistake as a child and then just lived his life on the run. All he knew was me, this immortal beast, trying to murder him with his vendetta. I honestly think when he landed on that phone, he was like, I'm tired of running. <laughs> I can't live my life like this anymore. And I looked at him like, my name is Anyeko Montoya. You bit my wife. Prepare to die. And I murdered a senior citizen and wiped his blood on a wall. Thank you so much, John Gregstone. He's good. That is comedian Greg Stone. Don't go anywhere. We've got the People's Movie Critic coming up. He is reviewing Netflix's The Watcher. It's Bob and Sherry. It's the Bob and Sherry Off Air Podcast called the Oddcast. Podcasting. Podcast. With stuff we wouldn't 
couldn't or shouldn't do on the regular show. Spooky season continues on the Oddcast, and coming soon on Halloween Day, we're dropping an episode with one of our listeners who has pictures of their haunting in a castle. The Bob and Sherry Off-Air Podcast. The Oddcast. We got a big podcast to do here. Get it now on the free Bob and Sherry app, bobandsherry.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Instant access to the podcast, oddcast, fun size, and more with the free Bob and Sherry app. And now on the Bob and Sherry show, it's another exciting episode of Things Bob Didn't Know. Ah, uh, yes, it's a gold mine, friends. It's a gold mine every time. Here's one that I really love. Dogs are now watching more TV than they used to thanks to high-def TVs. Old TVs were too blurry for dogs to see, but modern screens allow dogs to see the images as clearly as humans. And I believe that. Now, my dog, Finn, does not watch TV. I've never seen him look up at a TV, even if there's, you know, like another dog barking or something. But I will once in a while leave it on if we're going to be away for like two or three hours so that there's a human voice softly in the background but i see people post all the time their dogs sometimes a couple of them looking at other dogs or looking at cats or squirrels on tv and i love it so much so i believe this don't you that they can see high def tvs and engage in it better than the old ones i i believe it too i mean sam doesn't watch tv sam doesn't know that he doesn't know what reality is plus he can't really see anymore but i've seen other people's dogs like when i'm at watch other people's TV. houses you I've have seen their dogs watch tv yeah like, i have never stared seen at it fixedly yeah no kidding wow i, love I have that. a i took a picture once i was watching um a ufo documentary mm. and there, the tic tacs and the flying saucers and all were all over the screen and larry munson was so fascinated he was watching it his head was moving with it that he jumped up and was sitting directly in front of the TV to watch it. And I took a picture of it because it's, the, it's my cat silhouetted against this screen with a UFO, which if that doesn't say Sherry's Friday night, I don't know what does. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow I could see cats doing that more easily than dogs. Okay, here's something else I didn't know. In 2014, a man broke out of jail in England because he was fed up with the loud rap music being played, quote, day and night. On his wing. That's a man that just, he said, I'm sorry, I can't take this stuff. I, li- I like yacht rock and I got to go. And they caught him and they brought him back. So I don't think it, it lasted forever. All of the tin, I, I love this. All of the tin produced in the United States is recycled. The United States has neither mined tin since 1993 nor smelted tin since 1989. So that's a good thing. Somehow, you know, I worry about recycling, that it all goes to a dump anyway, and they don't really recycle. I, I'm now, I am now driving to the recycling place and separating cans and bottles and newspapers and all of that. I haven't done that in years, but uh, I'm very proud of myself for doing that. And I hope my wife is wrong when, she, when I get back and I tell her what I've done and she says, you know that it all goes to the same place. That it's all. Bogus. I don't. I don't want to believe that either. I. I can't. I, I believe don't it. want to believe it either. I know it's not a hundred percent, but even if it's thirty percent, I'm going to be a part of it. 
I didn't realize this. Max probably realized this one. After Michael Jordan scored a game-high 69 points in one game, teammate Stacy King said, I'll always remember this as the night that Michael Jordan and I combined to score 70 points. <laughs> I, I've never heard that before. No, I love you that. Have, uh, no, I haven't heard it, it either. That's great. I love it too. A pine tree, I didn't know this either. A pine tree planted in 2004 in memory of former Beatle great George Harrison. The pine tree died after being infested by beetles. That's just oh, that's wrong. That's weird. That is, that is just wrong. Murder rates were so high during the 1970s and 80s in Miami, Florida. Whew, the Dade County Medical Examiner's Office rented a refrigerated trailer from Burger King to handle the overflow. Some, oh, somehow that God. Yeah. Oh, you know, I want to so, thank you, Burger King. Yeah. For that sacrifice, because mm. just the idea of it being a Burger King mm. truck. Yeah. Oh. I know. There is a town in Texas that has a name, and it is the only place on earth officially named this name. And you, you're never going to be able to guess, so I'm just going to tell you. It's the only place, as far as anyone can tell, that is called Earth. It is Earth, Texas. And nobody else came up with that concept. That's interesting. There's not another town named no. Earth. No, there is There is not. So uh, it's a very Texas thing. I mean, if it was going to happen anywhere, I think Texas would be the place. And finally, the modern Ouija board got its name by somebody asking the board, what should you be called? <laughs> And the board said... That's perfect. The People's Movie Critic on Bob and Sherry is straight ahead. Lamar has his review of The Watcher. It's Bob and Sherry. Sign up for our newsletter. We never spam you. Never did. Get Bob and Sherry exclusives. Just go to bobandsherry.com. It is time now for The People's Movie Critic. Reviewing the most terrifying real estate documentary ever made on Netflix. <laughs> the Watcher. Hey, Lamar. Hey, this is a new Netflix series, and it hit number one on the watch list. And so people are raving about it to me, and they're saying, oh, you got to watch it, you got to watch it. And it's based on the real-life story of the Brodus family who bought their dream home and were then threatened and spied on and finally driven out of their house by this mysterious stalker who called themselves The Watcher. Now, in the movie, Dean and Nora Brannock is played by Bobby Kind of. Can- I can never say Bobby's name. Cannavale. Cannavale. And I love him. He's in so many things, and he does such a good job. And also Naomi Watts. And mm-hmm. their two children, they all go checking out houses, and they find their dream home in this little New Jersey hamlet, and they can't afford it. I mean, it's way past their money. So Dean cashes out all of their savings and retirement to make the down payment because he feels like he can risk this because he's about to make partner in the firm. Now, does anybody want to guess how that's going to turn out? You know, I mean, in, in yeah. this kind of movie, you know, it's, yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. no sooner do they move in, does Dean tear out the entire kitchen to remodel it because his famous red sauce would stain the countertops. And I'm like, what? 
I said, well, wait, wait. This man just cashed out their entire savings, their retirement, and possibly drugged his grandmother and sold one of her kidneys to buy their dream home. And before they even get moved in, he's remodeling the kitchen. Now, look, I've watched enough HGTV to know this ain't a dream home. Now it's a fixer upper. I mean, what are we doing? And, and all of this because of his red sauce stain. I would suggest maybe buy some really good paper towels and not remodel the entire kitchen. Not to mention, <laughs> I mean, where do you get Amen. the money for the remodel? You've already yeah. drained every dime you have, and I've remodeled a kitchen. It ain't like it costs $732. <laughs> I mean, come on. You know, I, I'm ready to quit this show in only about 30 minutes in. I mean, I'm like, this is ridiculous. But then they get a note from The Watcher saying that they're being watched and that they should give the house what it wants. What does it want? Does it want a fresh coat of paint or the immortal souls of their children? I don't know. What does the house want? And now, not only are they getting these threatening letters, they're surrounded by these kooky neighbors. Margot Martindale, who I absolutely love and everything she does, and Richard Kind, another great actor, they play Mm -hmm. Maureen and Mitch. They're the most offensive couple you could have living next door. Then they've got another one, Pearl. She's the neighborhood historian who talks to trees, and she's played by Mia Farrow. Now, the police detective that they go to for help, he's played by Christopher McDonald, he's absolutely worthless. He cannot help them at all. And then you have Jennifer Coolidge as Karen, the real estate agent from hell, Listen, she will keep you from ever wanting to buy or sell or even live in a house. And she actually steals this whole series. She is unbelievable. Nobody could have played this better than she did. She, she was awesome. There's seven episodes. It's 52 minutes long. It's rated TVMA. Just like all based on true story shows, this series is 10% what really happened and 90% fluff. And this fluff includes evil spirits, murder, drugs, and and the whole kitchen sink. And I'm not just talking about a whole kitchen sink. I'm talking about the premier copper farmhouse with the apron, no less, okay? And it's the same story told a different way. You're in a house that's either haunted or possessed or built over an ancient graveyard next door to a poultry processing plant or just bad neighbors, (laughs) but you refuse. You refuse to leave the house. You're going to stay no matter what. Okay, well, if that's what you're going to do, Quit your bitching and stay there. Nobody cares, okay? You choose to stay there. I don't want to hear your story. Now, I wanted to quit this thing, but Carl and I had to know who was writing these letters. We were really possessed to know who was writing the letters. I almost skipped from episode three to seven to get it over with, but I didn't. Wished I had, but I didn't. Now, I'm not going to go as far as to say that this was a terrible ending. I'm not. I'm not going to do that. I don't. I don't want anybody to miss a series that they might enjoy just because of what I said. So I want to allow you to judge for yourself. But it does have a very terrible ending. It's very unfulfilling. <laughs> it's very anticlimactic. It's horrible. Okay, it's horrible. My score on this is two buds, and I'm only giving it Whoa. two buds because Jennifer Coolidge. Coolidge. Oh my gosh, she is awesome as a real estate agent. It's hilarious for her. But I don't know if it's worth seven hours of your life. I don't know. Lamar, if you want, if you and Carla want to watch something with Jennifer Coolidge in it, she won an Emmy for it. That is fantastic television. Watch White Lotus on HBO Max. Watch White Lotus. 
Mar- Mary yeah. was watching that, and she's watching the uh, the Watcher. Two buds. All right, stay put. We got more with the People's Movie Critic next. If he didn't just knock himself unconscious in his rage, <laughs> how bad Something the Watcher happened. was. I knew it. Something happened to him. He he hit himself in the head and knocked himself out. It happens. It happens. It was only two buds. He's so ticked off that he watched the whole thing for y'all. We'll be back with more Lamar. It's Bob and Sherry. It's the Bob and Sherry Off-Air Podcast, called the Oddcast. Podcasting. Podcast. With stuff we wouldn't, couldn't, or shouldn't do on the regular show. Spooky season continues on the Oddcast, and coming soon on Halloween Day, we're dropping an episode with one of our listeners who has pictures of their haunting in a castle. The Bob and Sherry Off-Air Podcast. The Oddcast. We got a big podcast to do here. Get it now on the free Bob and Sherry app, bobandsherry.com, or wherever you get your podcasts the fun size podcast a shareable taste of the show at our website or the free free bob and cherry app all right let's bring lamar back here halloween time (laughs) trick-or-treat time i want to ask you something lamar uh i want to see if you had a similar situation to me because you grew up out in the country with not very many people around and when i was 12 years old we were living and renting a house in this beach area in connecticut and there's probably 60 families have these little small cottages. And, you know, the, the father was a lawyer or something. He'd come down on the weekend and the family would stay there. They had a pretty nice thing. Not, they weren't fancy, but, you know, it was all right. And then they'd all leave on Labor Day. And the only people left in the area that I was living were uh, one other kid. And he lived with his father. I don't know where the mother went. And his father was always angry about something. And then there was another kid whose name was Tal, and he lived with his mother, and the father lived in another part of Connecticut because they hate each other, and then she drank too much. So my choices were a, a woman who's soused or a guy who's always ticked off and you know he didn't have any candy. Otherwise, I had to walk for like a couple of miles to get to another, to get to another neighborhood. And I did all alone. What was it like for you out there in the woods in Georgia on Halloween? Well, we didn't have no money, but we had a car. And we didn't have to walk. We got in the car. Wait, how come y'all didn't get in the car? You never met my father. You never met my father, did you? (laughs) No. My mama, we we would dress up. We would dress up. I used to get these really cool costumes with the mask and everything. But then Mm -hmm. when you would go to the neighbors, the first thing they would say is, who are you? And if you wouldn't mm-hmm. tell them, they say, well, oh, take your mask off so I can see you. Uh-uh. Well, I'm not going to give you any candy if you don't take the mask off. Oh, my God. We, we, we spent $7 for this. What, why can we not keep the mask on? So then it got to That's the point true. where my, my, my decision was either old woman or hobo. Old woman or hobo, we rotated back and forth because hobo was pretty easy. You just get some smut and wipe it on your face, and hell, you're a hobo. Right. So, yeah. but we'd get in the car, and, and we would be like literally two or three miles apart from the house. And you'd get to the house, and you're driving down this long gravel driveway, and there's one light on on the porch, the bare light bulb, which is spooky in itself. You go yeah. up there, and you got your bag, and you walk up, and they say, oh, you know. And this this is not a, where they pick out and drop a couple of pieces of bubble gum in. 
they mm-hmm. dump a bowl because they're only going to get there's just so many trick-or-treaters they're going to get and i mean you yeah, get yeah. a bowl full and i mean yeah. you make four or five stops and i've got a whole thing full so i decided one year to go uptown with some friends of mine because there's t- tons of houses so you're just going from house to house to house to house to house right well they ain't giving you nothing because they got so right. many trick-or-treaters I only did that one time because I, I weighed out this whole situation. I needed candy, man. I'm not looking for, you know, <laughs> this whole neighborhood. And that Dunkin' for apples, you drown yourself. And what do you get? You get an apple. I'm not doing the <laughs> festival because that's no good. You drop that fishing line over that curtain and they give you some crappy gift that you reel by. I'm not doing all that. I did like the cakewalk, though. I love the cakewalk. I do the cakewalk because I get me a what, cake. What's the cakewalk? What's How does the that cakewalk? Work? They have a bunch of squares, and you if there's 20 squares, you got 19 people on each one on each square. So there's one open square, and they start playing music, and you still keep walking. Everybody walks and walks and walks, and then when they raise the needle off of the record, wherever you stop, they call out a number, and you win a cake, like musical chairs, but with cake. Yes, right. and Can we're not talking no Walmart cake. We talking grandmother cakes. I mean, they was real cakes. I mean, it was. You awesome. get a you it get a awesome. whole cake. You would get a yes. whole cake. Yes, that's pretty cool, actually. What a yes. nice community. Awesome. That's a lot of bacon. Wow, I'm impressed. Yeah. That's a lot of walking, though. I had to walk a lot because it took a while to get a yeah. cake. And you, listen, it's a gamble. It's a gamble, but oh, hey, yeah. it was cool. Yeah, but you know, the good. odds are in your favor. Like you're more likely to get cake than not, right? Well, they got to call your number, though. See, each square has a number. So uh, let me let let me. How many people can win cakes, though? Oh, they'd be like twenty-five or thirty cakes. I mean, they would would win. That's impressive. Uh, Why did you pick uh, uh, an old woman and not like an old man? No offense, I don't. I don't see you as an attractive old woman. Oh, ouch. They, they, they call ouch. it they call it really? irony. They call it irony, Bob. It's irony. <laughs> See? I'm a guy, I'm a little boy, and I'm dressing up like an old woman. That's ironic. <laughs> oh, I see. Okay. Uh, and I you. bet it I'm never occurred. Tell Alanis Morissette, huh? I bet it never <laughs> occurred to the child people's movie critic that he wasn't making a pretty lady. I bet that no, never I crossed it. his mind. Bob, you haven't seen my legs. I got great legs. He does have good legs. I'm great for that. That's it for the People's Movie Critic. Two buds for the watcher, and they were grudge buds. They were the grudgiest of grudge buds. Keep it here. We got the rabbit hole coming up for you next with a spin on a Halloween classic. It's Bob and Sherry. Hey, it's Sherry here. Just saying a giant thank you to everyone who reaches out and contacts the show. We try to read every email, every DM, every text. We do miss some, um, and I apologize for that. If you would like to be on the show, or if something really wild has happened in your life and you'd like to be on the podcast, you can reach us at hello at B-O-B-A-N-D-S-H-E-R-I. Hello at BobandSherry.com. That's usually the most direct way, but however you reach out, thank you, and thank you for listening. Do you like fun? If yes, then visit BobandSherry.com. Our new, improved, and easier-to-navigate website featuring our guest bloggers. Hi, I'm Carrie Green. Join me every Wednesday for Mom Outnumbered as I brave the minefield of raising a family while maintaining a sense of humor, and I attempt to make it through at least mostly unscathed. Oh, it's great. It's this website that's got, like, everything. BobandSherry.com. Hi, this is Allison Stellner. Join me every Monday in the Zen Den as I 
and navigate the peaks and valleys of this crazy journey called life. It appears that the website has become alive. Hey, it's the People's Movie Critic. Check out my reviews at BobandSherry.com. Their website is so easy. BobandSherry.com. And all the Bob and Sherry podcasts, including the Oddcast and Fun Size. I probably have to go shopping now. And you can't just hit shop for the Bob and Sherry store for Cooking with Cats, the Mother of All Mothers merchandise, and the other Bob and Sherry stuff. Website. The website. It's new and improved. The Bob and Sherry website. BobandSherry.com. It's the Bob and Sherry Store Sizzling Summer Sidewalk Sale. Everything in stock is on sale, 10% off. 10% off! Including Sherry Lynch's cookbook, Cooking with Cats. And swag you can use, like Bob and Sherry 24-ounce latte mugs, travel mugs, H2Go water bottles, and our very hot line of Mother of All Mothers merch, including tote bags, candles, wear-around tea and sleep shirts. 10% off! It's the Sizzling Summer Sidewalk Sale. Everything is 10% off. Just hit Shop at BobandSherry.com and use the discount code PODCAST at checkout. Bob and Sherry, go. This one's just for you, Bob. It's a little modern update on one of your all-time favorite songs. You remember in the 60s when I invented the marsh? Well, now the time has come for me to update that smash. Since I've been out of the fright game for 52 odd years, I invited a new crew to spread spooky cheer. The first to arrive was Dr. Hannibal Lecter. He brought his own date, and he seemed to respect her. They hit the dance floor with a jive and a jitter. Then he... He ripped off her face! He's pulling out her liver! That's really gross! Oh my god, what just happened? He ate her face. Yes, I know! I saw! Speaking of saw. I like to play disgusting games. He broke his jaw. That is way too graphic. I'm going to faint. Surely all the other guests won't be this rude. Like this classic monster, a scary hip dude. He's got a kooky style and a spooktastic look. Oh my god, he just hung the waiter on a meat hook. Why? He's leatherface. <laughs> He's cutting him up with a chainsaw. It's what he does. Who is Freddy Krueger? He haunts your dreams. Ooh, he sounds like a real spooker. I murder teens. You can't escape me, bitch. Language. In my day, the monsters would just give you a spook. Nowadays, it seems they all just want to make you puke. Ah, the human centipede. That sounds like a hit. Great, the ones in back have to eat the front one's shit. Enough! The party's over! Everybody out! You all have no idea what Spooktober is about! Here comes the Wolfman! He'll show you how it's done! He knows how to be creepy, but he always keeps it fun! No! That was my friend! Why did he meet such a horrifying end? Is it too much to ask to have some monsters dance? It's really quite a hoot if you give it half a chance! This guy won't let it go. I think it's rather sad. Guys, I feel guilty. And I also feel bad. Let's give him a couple moves. It's the least we can do. Okay, places, everybody. And a one. And a two. Look at us dance. You did the monster dance? Hey, look. Jazz hands. Don't twist too fast. First cause they're smashed. Oh, great. It's the girl from the ring. Her heart is black. Ooh, she really knows how to swing. I wouldn't look directly at her face if I were you. Oh. oh, well, we tried. He died doing what he loved. Monster choreography. Hey, guys, I know a game we could play. Guys, anyone? 
<laughs> Ducky of Awesome. We'll That's post that up on the Bob and Sherry Facebook. And of That's course, good. we will celebrate Halloween on Monday next week with the original Monster Mash. Bobby it's Boris. Bob and Sherry. Are you one of those couples that missed out on a proper honeymoon? Maybe your schedules were too busy and you had to postpone, or maybe because you just never got around to having that special trip. Bob and Sherry want to make it right by giving you $5,000 to plan a second chance honeymoon in the Florida destination of your choice, because it's still clear and sunny in many parts of Florida. So what will you choose? An island escape in the Florida Keys? Setting sail on a sunset cruise from Tampa Bay? Dining in a Michelin star restaurant in Miami? Or simply relaxing on Pennsylvania? Pensacola Beach without shoes or any words. So go ahead and imagine making romantic, sunshine-filled memories together that you'll remember forever on a dream second-chance honeymoon in Florida. To enter for your chance to win $5,000 to plan a honeymoon redo in the Florida destination of your choice, just go to BobandSherry.com and hit the contest tab. It's a second-chance honeymoon from Visit Florida and Bob and Sherry. She's done it again. Sherry Lynch named one of the most influential women in radio. It's Bob and Sherry. Sherry. Newsweek magazine just got an advanced copy of a new book called Do Let's Have Another Drink. The dry wit and fuzzy life of Queen Elizabeth, not the one who just passed away, but her mother, the Queen Mother. Historian Gareth Russell explored the relations of Elizabeth's mother and sister to news of Diana's untimely death at the age of 36 in a 1997 Paris car crash. This year, of course, marks the 25th anniversary of the accident, which also killed uh, two others, including the princess's boyfriend, Dodi Fayed. So I'm just going to read from Newsweek. At the time of her death, Diana's relationships with members of the royal family, including the Queen Mother and Princess Margaret, who again was Queen Elizabeth's sister, were reported to be strained, with Russell, the historian, writing that Margaret referred to the princess as, quote, the girl who married my nephew, unquote. (laughs) Diana's divorce from Prince Charles was finalized in 96, four years after their official separation. Relations had not improved when Diana was tragically killed in a car accident in Paris a few weeks after the Queen Mother's 97th birthday. The historian writes, The Queen Mother was baffled by the outpouring of grief at the princess's death, which she thought more effusive than anything she'd seen when the city was being pummeled nightly by the Nazis and the Blitz. Princess Margaret, the younger sister of Queen Elizabeth II, and a royal rebel in her younger days, felt similarly, though showed concern for Diana's young children. Princess Margaret felt desperately sorry for Diana's sons. Russell wrote, especially the youngest, that would be Harry, of course, since it's terrible to lose your mother at that age, little Harry's birthday only a few days away. However, the writer continues, Margaret had no sympathy for the public's mood. She told a friend that the reaction was unhinged, rather like Diana herself. When she died, everyone got as hysterical as she was. This reference toward Diana being unhinged or hysterical comes as Harry's wife, Meghan Markle, 
recently discussed the labels associated with women and mental health in her podcast. The Duchess announced the labels as dismissive of the experiences of women. In a 1995 interview with the BBC, Diana herself said that her public disclosure of her experiences with depression gave her critics a label to use against her. It gave everyone a wonderful new label, she said, and unfortunately it seemed to have stuck. In the hours and days following the princess's death, the outpouring of public grief manifested in masses of flowers left in tribute outside of Kensington and Buckingham Palace in London. Sherry and I had just landed in London, taking some of our listeners with us the day that she died. The next, she died the next day, and we, we went to see the, the mountain of, uh, of flowers at Buckingham Palace. It certainly was. This, according to the author, annoyed Princess Margaret, the flowers, who could smell the rotting flowers in the September heat from her apartment at Kensington Palace that faced the park. She complained about the smell of the mountains of decomposing flowers left at the palaces across London, referring to them as floral fascism. Later, both the Queen Mother and Princess Margaret thought there was no need for a permanent memorial to Diana inside the grounds of Kensington Palace. Margaret acidly suggested it would be quite enough of a memorial to restore the grass which all of these people have trampled the week that she died. 20 years later, on what would have been her 60th birthday, Prince William and Harry unveiled a permanent statue of Diana on the grounds of Kensington Palace, meters from Margaret's former home of apartment 1A, which is now the London base of William and his family. The name of the book is Do Let's Have Another Drink! Exclamation point, the dry wit and fizzy life of Queen Elizabeth, the Queen Mother, available in the United States the 1st of November. What do you Listen, think of that? I read something about Princess Margaret. Uh, oh my God, like her life was unimaginable to us. She would wake up every day and have breakfast mm-hmm. in bed and then spend the next few hours chain smoking in the bath and then head down for lunch with the Queen Mother Um, where she would have a tumbler of vodka and they would eat lunch for several hours and then it was, I guess, nap time and then tea time and then she'd go have another bath and head out to a ball. Like Quite the life. They didn't call her the party princess for nothing. Yeah, yeah, quite the life is right. You're right, you're exactly right. This is Bob and Sherry. You read it once. I don't believe that. And then you read it again. I can't believe this. It's Bob and Cherry's. I don't believe this shit. I cannot believe this There are all kinds of horror movies that you could be watching this time of the year. There's gory slasher movies. There's suspense movies. There's movies that have kind of a paranormal dimension. And then there's a category of scary movie that completely is all its own. And that is the scary movie with evil, terrifying children. Can oh, we all yeah. agree yeah. that a child protagonist in a horror movie, whether it's Esther in The Orphan or Damien in The Omen, it's horrible. So here we have the top 10 scary movies with creepy kids in them mm-hmm. in case you need to plan your weekend. Number 10, 
Good night, Mommy. It's the story of two twins, Elias and Luke. Their mom has facial surgery, and, and she becomes distant afterward. And so the two little boys have some doubts. Is that even really our mommy? So they begin investigating and testing to see whether that's mommy or not. The real problem with the movie is you can't tell who's insane and who's not insane. And the double dose of spooky, identical, creepy twins. Mm-hmm. Number nine, Pet Cemetery. Oh, oh yeah. Well, I think the name kind of tells you what you got there. We not only have um, pets being resurrected, but we got a kid, and it's real scary. Number that was Stephen eight. King, wasn't it? Was that yes. not a Stephen King book? Yeah. Yeah. Number eight is, of course, The Ring, the terrifying child in The Ring. Um, I don't think you've seen that, right, Bob? Because that would not no. be. No. I think you've seen The Omen and The Exorcist, right? I've seen The Exorcist. I don't think I ever saw The Omen. But but you've seen like the clips of Damien, the little sure. um, devil, yeah. devil kid, right? right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, let's go now to. Um, so I always eight is I always felt badly for somebody whose name was Damien after that. It's a very cool name, you know, and and you do hear about somebody uh, being named Damien, but yeah. the in, the instant you hear it, it's right to that movie. The ring, of course, has a little twelve year old girl who can um, haunt people and basically mm-hmm. kill them with her mind. Okay, so I mentioned Orphan. Orphan is number seven. And the girl that plays the orphan, well, maybe she's not a child after all. And I'm not Mm. saying she's a demon either. Number six, the omen. The little boy that they cast to play Damien, the the child devil. I don't Mm -hmm. know whatever happened to that kid when he grew up, but was he not perfectly cast as that? Number five, a horror classic that a lot of people haven't seen, Rosemary's Baby. Yep, that is a frightening movie, and if you haven't seen it, it's about this spooky couple in a high-rise, upscale high-rise in New York City, and uh, they're in cahoots with the devil who would like to have a baby, and And the the... uh, lovely uh, girl next door, unbeknownst to her, is going to be the one who delivers it. Did you know that this was was the first movie? This first movie in history that had a child as the spawn of Satan. And, and right? now that's like a common, common yeah. kind of thing in Hollywood. Yeah. Number four is a movie called Better Watch Out. Came out in 2016, so it's really, it's really fairly new. And so here's what we have. The babysitter's child is filled with evil. Number three, <laughs> Children of the Corn. I don't know mm-hmm. what it is about this movie that's so terrifying. You've got these beautiful fields of corn waving in the breeze. You have these incredible blue skies, thick, fat, white, puffy clouds, and some kids with some really unfortunate haircuts coming out of the corn. <laughs> Number mm-hmm. two, Carrie. She's yeah. still a kid. She's a teenager. The right. telekinetic, much bullied, has had enough with all of y'all's nonsense. Carrie that night at the senior prom and can you guess the number one most terrifying film with an evil child Chucky I, mean, I was no, going to no, say Chucky but that's a doll yeah that's no, a doll. That was, I was going to yeah. say that too yeah this is this is a classic 
an absolute classic. It's it's an what, older what, movie. What era? Been around it's for a long time. 1973. Like 60s? 73. 1973. Oh, uh, The Exorcist. The Exorcist, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know it's the not on that list. The scariest movie. Yeah, and, and it is. Um, there is a movie, and I watched it. Um, it's black and white. I think it was made in England. And there were two or three other sequels to it. Um, Village of the, the Children Damned. of the Damned. Village of the Children of the Damned. And they were all blonde kids in England. I watched it on TV when I was when I was a kid. And it was so scary because their eyes all of a sudden would stare at somebody driving a car and burn right into that person's mind and the car would crash and blow up. I thought that was really scary. Yeah. I'll post this list if you're looking to make like a a movie marathon for yourself this Halloween weekend. We'll post up the top 10 most scary movies with evil children. It's Bob and Sherry. Are you one of those couples that missed out on a proper honeymoon? Maybe your schedules were too busy and you had to postpone, or maybe because you just never got around to having that special trip. Bob and Sherry want to make it right by giving you $5,000 to plan a second chance honeymoon in the Florida destination of your choice, because it's still clear and sunny in many parts of Florida. So what will you choose? An island escape in the Florida Keys? Setting sail on a sunset cruise from Tampa Bay? Dining in a Michelin star restaurant in Miami? Or simply relaxing on Pennsylvania? Pensacola Beach without shoes or any words. So go ahead and imagine making romantic, sunshine-filled memories together that you'll remember forever on a dream second-chance honeymoon in Florida. To enter for your chance to win $5,000 to plan a honeymoon redo in the Florida destination of your choice, just go to BobandSherry.com and hit the contest tab. It's a second-chance honeymoon from Visit Florida and Bob and Sherry. Leave us a talk back. Talk back with the free Bob and Sherry app. I present to you now things that young men discovered about women once they seriously started dating them. Number one, that most women's clothing does not have pockets and they're very pissed off about it. You don't know that until you're with a woman on a regular basis. Number two, their extremities are made of ice. They siphon heat and life during their slumber. They, em- they embrace you with their frozen limbs and steal your heat. They feed upon you. Their limbs I'm- are colder than room temperature. <laughs> yes, right. It's an amazing thing. It is an amazing thing. That they complain, when they complain, when they complain, it does not always mean they want you to fix it or that they've come to a negative conclusion. They're just thinking out loud in a way that most guys don't. That is one that has taken me a long time to learn. Now, if a woman is complaining about something and it needs to be fixed, you know, if it's mechanical or something, I cannot do that. It's just not in my uh, wheelhouse. However, I will pay for someone to come over. And very often they don't want that. They're just going, this really ticks me off. I don't like the way this is going on. Um, But sometimes they want to handle it themselves. No matter how many bras women own, there is only one that is perfect. And God forbid you somehow ruin that one by washing it. She don't will make John look like a choir angel. Is that true? Yeah. Don't, I don't want you near any of my clothes. Don't touch any of my clothes. I, uh, when Mary and I were first uh, married, I uh, did the laundry one day. And I shrunk a pair of very 
popular jeans. And holy moly, I haven't touched her clothes ever since. When they ask you if you want to go to the grocery store, they really want you to go with them. They just want you to go with them. So don't say, well, what are we going to be getting? Do we really need? No, they don't want that. They are impervious to hot water. Um, This guy says, my wife's shower is permanently set at scalding. Uh, Washing the dishes, set on scalding. Bath water, scalding. No sexy time in the shower. It would be melting my skin. It's true. (laughs) It's, It's very true. Um, long hair wraps around the vacuum roller brush. You'll have to cut the hair out of it seasonally. (laughs) That is true. My wife's hair is so thick and so long and she's got so much of it. I I have to do a, uh, a shower, a shower drain, um, look about every two or three weeks. The hoodies you thought were yours are not yours. They are hers. This is one that I'm still struggling with. There is a wrong way to fold a towel. I've been folding towels the same way. How are you struggling with that? I've been folding towels the same way all my life. I do my own laundry. I was single a long time. I take the towel out, um, lie it flat, uh, then fold it. And fold it over once and then put it away wherever I'm putting it away. That is not the proper way. That is the way you fold towels, but that is the wrong way to fold towels. The right way to fold towels is the way Mary folds towels. Which is, and I don't even know how that is. Yeah. I'm just saying that is the right way. You don't even know, but you know that hers is right. But I know it's the right way. Well, um, I, she said to me, please don't, please fold the towels the right way. And I said, I do. Look at it. It's a nice little neat leaf. She said, it's too bulky. It will take up too much space in the laundry. I said, well, what are you talking about? She said, put it out flat, fold it halfway over, the other side halfway over, and then bring it up. It's thinner, and it will, uh, it will fit into the uh, laundry area easier. And I would not do that. Uh, for, for whatever reason, I couldn't comprehend that. And, and she just ride me. I've given up. That's the way I do it now. It, it, the fight is, it's just not worth it. These are things that men find out, young men find out after they have a serious relationship. This guy says, I never knew what soft sheets felt like until I spent the night with my girlfriend. (laughs) Who knew what a thread count was? Women. Women know. Men do not. I I was lying in her bed for the first time and I went, "What? what is this bed? It's like floating on a cloud. She laughed. She thought I was being funny. My sheets feel like cardboard next to it by comparison. So, we are, I guess, better off, aren't we? Just a few things that guys discover. A few of them I won't even mention. It's Bob and Sherry. Bob and Sherry with the People's Movie Critic Lamar. You know, it had a little balcony and kids would get up the balcony and they'd get the candy and they'd throw it. At the price of candy today, if I'm a theater guy, I hope they're throwing it. Throw it! Hey, Lamar, for $8 a bag, I eat the M&M's and then I eat the bag. I'm not throwing (laughs) it. I tried to burp up the taste a couple of times. I mean, you know what I mean? (laughs) If you think us Baptists don't speak to each other in the liquor store, you should have seen us avoiding each other last night. (laughs) 
I love Bill Murray. I mean, for me, Bill Murray's like bacon. And who doesn't like bacon, okay? I mean, they're both comforting, they trigger wonderful memories, and they both make you feel really, really good. Unless you're a vegan. And let's be honest, the only thing that brings joy to a vegan is to be able to tell other people they're vegan. Okay, that's, that's it. <laughs> Listen for his reviews every Friday and get all his reviews at BobandSherry.com. So, of course, I clicked on a link that said, science says these are the best animal companions. And I figured, well, you know, dog and cat are bound, dog, cat, horse, those are bound to be right at the top of the list. And what I wasn't prepared for was for the animal at the very bottom of the list to be a creature I've never heard of. Hmm. And I can't wait to hear if you guys know what this is. A screaming, hairy armadillo. I don't know, but it's a great name for a band. <laughs> the Screaming Hairy Armadillos, man. I can see the merchandise possibilities. And and I am looking at a picture of it and it looks you know what? I'm gonna send I'm gonna send Max um hang on. I found I found noise of one screaming at like oh. uh who was he screaming at? Al Roker, I think. Um it looks exactly like an armadillo. So picture an armadillo. Now picture an armadillo with fur that -hmm. screams at you. And this is considered, this is at the bottom of the list. So this is a screaming hairy armadillo. And there we go. Can you take the battery out? No, you can't. But this is what he would do if a predator was trying to eat him. He would make this noise and it would make the predator try to drop him. So it's his defense mechanism. It's his defense mechanism. We're going to put him back. Well, it's just like Kathy Lee came back from vacation. Why does everybody talk on top of everybody? Uh, I wanted to hear the animal. This is This is so. This is um, um, the, the crocodile hunter. His son that passed away. This is his son with Jimmy Fallon. Defense mechanism is to make this wild screaming noise. Just be warned, it's very loud and okay. it doesn't stop. Okay. All right, ready? No. It's like a car alarm. Oh my. that's something i want one that is something can you believe that we've all gone our whole lives not knowing the screaming hairy armadillo even existed did you say that they're from australia where where was it or is that just in my mind because of the that's just in your head yeah Yeah. that's just the crocodile hunter i think they're you know what they're in like texas Really? It's in Texas. You know what it sounds like? It sounds like, uh, you know, the Taylor Swift song that somebody did and put in the the goats. It's it's it sounds a little bit like the screaming goat in that Taylor Swift parody. And it's hairy. It's wild looking. All right. So do you want to hear the you want to hear the top 10? (laughs) These are the top 10 best animal companions. Yeah, Number 10 is the Arabian spiny mouse, which mm-hmm. um, is apparently like really, really sociable and loves to be part of a big family. Number nine is a wallaroo. It's a marsupial and it's a cross between a wallaby and a kangaroo, but it's little. It's a wallaroo. And now I want one of those too. Um, mm-hmm. Number eight is the golden spiny mouse. They're usually nocturnal. 
but you can train them to have a daytime schedule. Number seven, the common yellow tooth cavy. It's a cousin of the guinea pig, but it looks more like a hamster. Number six, the Himalayan striped squirrel, which of course you're going to need to be near the Himalayas in order to get one. They're right. really, they look like a, they look like a squirrel and a chipmunk had a baby, but they're super friendly and sociable. Number, now we're at the top five, the Asian palm civet. It's an, it's native to South and Southeast Asia. It prefers to be solitary. It doesn't want to be around other animals, but they make apparently good pets. Number four, the llama. The llama is one of the top five animal companions a person can have. Number three, the tamar wallaby, because it really likes to socialize and hang out. It even likes to mate in groups. It's huh. one of those creatures wow. that wants to do everything in a pack. Okay, right. so now we're at the number two. It's kind of kinky. It, it's the agile wallaby. So these are wallabies. They like to be solitary, but they can adapt to a group. But they're kind of like, like if you had one of these wallabies, you wouldn't have to feel sad if you only had one. And the number one um, best animal companion that isn't, you know, the usual cat or dog mm -hmm. is a Japanese deer, um, a Sika deer. And these make great human companions. Apparently, they're wild animals, but apparently if you have one that you have living on your farm and it's tame, it'll follow you around like a dog. And it looks – it's like they spend their whole lives looking like Bambi. You know how I'm fawns are I'm surprised that dappled? miniature horse is not on there. I'm surprised miniature it, horse. It wasn't. Yeah, same. No, they're wonderful. Same. Wow. But um, all okay. of these animals, as great as they were, <laughs> mm -hmm. you're no screaming hairy armadillo. <laughs> That is okay. some sound. It's Bob and Sherry. At the Bob and Sherry Show, we love a good cat or day photo. And we want to post your kitty best friend on our Instagram. Just send us a photo of your furry friend or you and your furry friend, and you could see them on our socials. Plus, you could pick up some great swag, including a surprise catnip toy from Dr. Pussums and your very own Bob and Sherry photo frame. Just submit your pics to bobandsherry.com on the contest tab. Every day is Catterday from Dr. Pussums and Bob and Sherry. The Fun Size Podcast, a shareable taste of the show at our website or the free, free Bob and Sherry app. I'm very fortunate and very unusual in some ways that I think that in my entire life, I have only applied for three, maybe four jobs. And so my feeling of rejection is very minimal. I uh, got a job in radio and then it led to another one and people would come to me rather than my going to them. And I sometimes feel so bad for people that go into these knee knocking sweat sessions, applying to a middle manager, maybe an HR, maybe the manager himself, hoping that they'll be accepted and hoping that they just won't look like a big old sweaty clam when they're in the middle of the uh, of the process. CNBC had a little article that I say for our audience. If you're looking for a new job and you're going to be interviewed, you have to remember this. The secret to a successful job search, don't care so much, says the career coach. I'm just going to read. 
Finding a new job can be stressful. There's hours spent drafting applications, the necessary evil of networking with strangers, the sting of getting rejected or being ghosted by a company you were really excited about. Although often rejection is inevitable from time to time in a job search, it's hard not to feel defeated or hopeless when it happens, to take Mm -hmm. it as a sign of personal deficiency. A fear of rejection and failure is the single greatest obstacle holding people back from landing their dream job. A career coach named Emily Liu tells CNBC, the secret to conquering this fear is to shift your mindset. Quote, this is her speaking now, don't care so much. As a job seeker, the best state you can come from, state of mind, in your search is a state of detachment. Reminding yourself that a rejection is not personal and you will find a great job sooner or later or something even better down the line. When you let fear override confidence in the job search, you risk sounding. And this is the important takeaway. When you let fear override confidence in the job search, you start sounding desperate. That is repellent to any hiring manager. I think that's 100% true, but it's think- all in how you carry it off. Because if you go in there a little too detached, I mean, don't go in there, put your feet up on his desk or her desk. Yeah, what you got for me? You know, obviously that's not going to work. Or looking around the room or being less than specific about your accomplishments or skills. I think you, you do have to focus and let them know you want this job. But don't look like I'm not going to be able to feed my family or I'm not going to be able to pay for the car this month if I don't get this job right now. They can sense it. They can sense your face. They're reading your eyes. They do this all the time. You just need, you know what helps more than anything else, I think? A slight smile. Not like the Joker, but a slight smile on your face. I think that this same kind of um, attitude helps you with dating, too. I think so. You're right. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the thing about landing the job, um, everywhere I go, they're looking for help. And I don't mean cashiers and restaurant workers. I mean, like, at medical practices. Literally everywhere I go, they're looking mm-hmm. for help. So I'm not really worried about how I come off at a job interview. I have one tomorrow for um, chief of neurology at the local hospital. I have zero training or experience or knowledge, but I'm real enthusiastic and I can fog a mirror. So I like my chances of getting right it. and it's fill a just, space. You know, like we don't you feel like we're in a time right now that is like nothing I've ever experienced where everywhere right. you go, they're hiring. Mm-hmm. Everywhere. Everywhere. Mm-hmm. You're exactly and I, it right. Would be, it seems like it would be hard to not kill the job interview, although the kind of jobs you're talking about might be at that very like top a aspirational level. level. Yeah, a higher you know, level. You're the, you're the chairman of something or the VP of something or whatever. I think putting a smile on your face changes a lot of things. I mean, you don't have to have it on your face when they say, well... We're nowhere near giving you the money that you want. I mean, why, who would smile at that? But just having a pleasant, calm exterior, I think, puts you in control. 
makes you the boss in that situation. So if you're out there and you're looking, keep that in mind. I think they're onto something here at CNBC. It's Bob and Sherry. Now, let's open up the Bob and Sherry Archive Vault. I have no idea of the name of the uh, family or the couple that lives uh, across the street to the left of my house. I just, I, I don't know who they are. <clears throat> but, you know, we've only been there for eight and a half years. But I, <laughs> I, I still remember, it's, it's just funny how your brain works. I still remember Halloween in North Haven, Connecticut on Green Hill Road. <clears throat> and one couple whose house was a small Cape Cod house made out of cinder blocks and painted white. I know it sounds ugly, but that's just the way they were. And it was owned by a couple called the Grays. <coughs> Pardon me. And Mr. and Mrs. Gray, I don't know if they ever had children. Their hair was gray. Both of their hairs were gray. The house was painted a light gray on the outside. And their name, and their was, name gray. was gray. Right? And I, I had the feeling as a six-year-old that they, they didn't ever have children. Now, that's a six-year-old's eyes. Everybody else had kids on those two blocks. They were young families. What I remember the most about Mrs. Mr. and Mrs. Gray, they were the only family that did not have children on the street. And at Halloween, they didn't want to be involved with any of it. Oh, the dark house. So we, so we had all of these houses with kids and multiple kids. I mean, there were two at mine. The Smiths next door had two. Everybody had two or three. And there were two Catholic families that had... Uh, 12. So maybe there's, I don't know, 25 to 30 kids on Green Hill Road that are coming to your house. The Greens, I mean the Grays, every year put out a box that was about um, four feet by two feet. And it was loaded with full-size Hershey bars with nuts. It filled to the top. They put them out there turned on the front porch light, and left. You know, I give them credit for leaving candy. They didn't want to have, be answering the door for hours and hours. Not everybody enjoys that, but they did leave candy. They not the only kids. left candy, but the kids. There wasn't one kid that came by, not even like a teenage kid, and took half the box or all of the box. That's Because I can remember too. walking there with my with uh, my friend Doug Smith. That's the kid who, who, when I went over his house one day, said, when do you have to be home? We still went yeah. out and... <laughs> trick or treat. trick or treated together. Even after that happened, he's the only kid. That, you know, I mean, you got to play with who you can play with. The only kid cry. That was Don't in my class. One of the saddest stories ever. Cry. It was very sad. And so I, I can remember we were only there like two or three years. Then we moved. Um, but I remember going down there and going, "Oh yeah, I'm going to the Grays." And we didn't get to the Grays early. And I went, "Oh, I hope they're still there." And there they were. And I remember only taking one. I have tremendous admiration for them. We had. We had neighbors before we moved to Wyoming, the Bakers. And I think they had kids, but their kids were grown. And they were kind of done with all that. Right. And they were not very friendly. And as a kid, I wondered why they were so unfriendly. But as I got older, I realized, oh, yeah, my, my father. That's why they were oh, so unfriendly. They, and that's so bad to do to a kid. You know what I mean? They didn't want any part of GFL. So, But, you know, that's so cruel to do to the kid. The kid can't control what his old man does. Let me tell you something. My childhood was marked with shunning because people didn't want any part of my father. But anyway, yeah. they did not. I Whether or not they ever did Halloween, I can't say. Their kids were grown by the time I was old enough to notice them. Mm -hmm. 
on Halloween, they didn't go out. They turned every light off in their house. And you knew they were in there. And you knew they were in there, and they were not available for Halloween. So they're just, all the lights are out somewhere in the house. They're holed up. I asked the, uh, Mrs. Baker, she was in her mm-hmm. driveway one day, and I asked her, because you, you know, asked her? I was born minding other people's business, and I was like six, however, however old you are in, in first grade, like six, Yeah. I asked her, Mrs. Baker, how come you don't have trick-or-treaters? What'd she say? And she turned to me and said, you run along now, mind your business. Oh, I could see someone like that doing and that. And the, re- the whole reason oh, I remember... shut you down. The whole reason I even remember this exchange mm-hmm. was, as a child, I, I, that was the first time an adult... Like, I bet. That's what I was thinking. Up, straight up was not having it. Yeah, me. yeah, yeah. Was schooling you right there. Because your grandmother, she might say, you know, stop screaming or whatever. But that's sort of a frosty response. That was a frosty. That was the way yeah. you would. I mean, she just wasn't having right, any of it. Right, right. Mm. And we knew better than to leave a bike near their driveway or a toy or a ball. Like if we played a game, we played, we used to, all before we moved, we'd go out on summer nights and the whole, all the kids in the neighborhood would play jailbreak or TV tag or whatever. Right. Not anywhere near their yard did not. It was just toxic. They didn't like kids. Or or they were done. Or they some done. combination yeah, of yeah, both. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Right. Are you one of those couples that missed out on a proper honeymoon? Maybe your schedules were too busy and you had to postpone. Or maybe because you just never got around to having that special trip. Bob and Sherry want to make it right by giving you $5,000 to plan a second chance honeymoon in the Florida destination of your choice. Because it's still clear and sunny in many parts of Florida. So what will you choose? An island escape in the Florida Keys? Setting sail on a sunset cruise from Tampa Bay? Dining in a Michelin star restaurant in Miami? Or simply relaxing on Pennsylvania? Pensacola Beach without shoes or any words. So go ahead and imagine making romantic, sunshine-filled memories together that you'll remember forever on a dream second-chance honeymoon in Florida. To enter for your chance to win $5,000 to plan a honeymoon redo in the Florida destination of your choice, just go to BobandSherry.com and hit the contest tab. It's a second-chance honeymoon from Visit Florida and Bob and Sherry. Instant access to the podcast, podcast, and fun side. Just download the free Bob and Sherry app. I guess today is the day for learning some stuff you never knew, like the existence of screaming hairy armadillos. And now, the name Wally Amos ring any bells? What is Wally Amos oh, famous Oh, uh, he was for? the uh, famous Amos cookies, wasn't he? Yeah, famous Amos cookies, exactly. Yeah, he lived in Hawaii. He um, he just became a sensation for his packaged chocolate chip cookies. But right. I bet you did not know that before Wally Amos made his cookies famous, he discovered and signed the record deal for a couple of young folk singers named Paul Simon and Art Garfunkel. You're kidding. Famous I Amos wish I that? was. And oh, um, that's just the tip of the iceberg of famous Amos's music career. How is it that we never knew? Did you know this, Max? Uh-uh, it seems like no. the sort of thing mm-hmm. you would know. And I used to live two blocks from his cookie factory. <laughs> One of his oh, cookie that factories. Nice. Is it, oh, it was. Is it still in production? No, they still unfortunately, make, they're, not, they they're not making them there. They're making them somewhere else. 
unfortunately. But, but, but famous Amos cookies are yeah, still, still around. around. I haven't seen them in, in years. Oh, yeah, yeah. You can really? go to the grocery store. Yeah, mm-hmm. so before he made the cookies famous, he made Simon and Garfunkel famous, and he also worked as a talent rep for Marvin Gaye, Sam huh. Cooke, and wow. Diana Ross. He was an agent with the William Morris Agency, and that's no small no thing. No kidding. Wow. Yeah. Can, can yeah. you believe that? I was so, like, this was one of those things that when I stumbled across it, I went, no, how does nobody know that? I mean, the cookies are amazing, yes, but look at his career in the music business. Also pretty amazing. He had such a wonderful personality. I saw an interview with him once, and once the cookies took off, uh, he said, Arrivederci to the lower 48 and moved to, um, I think, Honolulu um, and, and maybe had a ranch somewhere in the, uh, in the country in Hawaii and was just living the most wonderful life. Had that great big smile. The, you know the Hawaiian shirt that he would wear in pictures? I, yeah. I think some of them were on the uh, cookie uh, packages. Yeah, he embraced Hawaii a lot. I don't know if he lived there the rest of his life, but that's interesting. What a talented guy, multidimensional. I kind of, I don't know anything more about Wally Amos than what I just told you. I thought I thought he was just the cookie guy, but I was, after I learned this, I spent some time thinking about it. I was like, wow, you know, he's got this incredible career in music, working with Marvin Gaye. Simon Garfunkel. I mean, these are like legendary music acts that mm-hmm. your great great grandchildren will hear he, their he, work. Right? He lives in Columbia, South Carolina, where we have a Bob and Sherry aff- uh, affiliate. Oh, w- I hope he's listening right now and laughing that we're just discovering this. I think I understand why he chose chocolate chip cookies and Hawaii over the music business. As successful as he was, and as exciting as it is, please. You have your choice between living in paradise and being the cookie man or working your ass off for a bunch of musical acts and schlepping all over the country and constantly being worried about, is it a hit? Is it not a hit? Is it a hit? Is it not a hit? Which one are you going to Are they pick? in jail? Are they not in jail? No, obviously you'd be the cookie guy because I, he, I'm undoubtedly made uh, millions and millions of dollars. You know, he owned the company probably, right? I bet he's, well, I, yeah. I, I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's owned by Nabisco or somebody like or that. Beatrice, now. right? Yeah. Uh, right. So it just shows you that, um, really, really successful people did a lot of things often before they hit the one that, that yeah. made it for them. You yeah, know, they, they right. were kind of innovative and creative and courageous and bold and all of those things long before they became the overnight success of famous Amos cookies. So there you go. There's a little music trivia for you that you did not know. That is just the coolest story. It's Bob and Sherry. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Bob and Sherry podcast and the Bob and Sherry oddcast. We would love if you would subscribe, rate and review and share it with a friend on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, wherever you go. And thank you again for listening.